Welcome to Exodus 19, A Nation Married to Yah, with your host, Richard Massey. And I pray that you guys are having a blessed Sabbath. And I pray also that whatever you and your family are going through, that Yah gives you the strength to go through it. Today, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the pilgrimage to Jerusalem that the men are to do three times a year. And uh, I wanted that to tie in with the Passover part that we did uh, three weeks ago, being one of the feasts, one of the one of the times that you're supposed to do the pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And in the earlier scriptures that we read, we're going to see that at one point there wasn't a selected place to do the pilgrimage. And then we'll finally get to the chapter to where, well, one of the chapters to where uh, it's finally decided where it's going to be at. And where it's going to be at is a major point because this spot is going to be very significant in the end times. Um, so we can just get started. This is a really sticky spot, a spot for me because uh, I'm not so familiar with it. It doesn't roll off the tongue like everything else, so to speak. Uh, but it is very interesting to me. And just it'll just show, and it'll sprout out like a tree, and it'll show from one aspect to the other. It'll start going into other subjects that uh, can be talked about in the weeks to come. So let's go to Exodus 23, 16. Exodus 23, 16, and it says, And the Feast of Harvest. The first fruits of thy labors, which thou hast sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering, which is in the end of the year, when thou hast gathered in thy laborers out of the field. Three times, three times in the year, all thy males shall appear before Adonai Elohim. So this is, um, so they are going to gather up their first fruits that they labor for which they have sown in the fields, they're going to collect it and they're going to take it to a particular area that Yah is going to show them where to bring it to. And this is done three times a year. And it says, three times in a year, all thy males shall appear before Adonai Elohim. Okay. Now let's go to Deuteronomy 12. 17. So we get a little bit more knowledge here in reference to this uh this this uh this feast. Deuteronomy 12:17 Thou mayest not eat within thy gates the tithe of thy corn or of thy wine or of thy oil or the firstling of thy herds, or of thy flock, nor any of thy vows which I vows, nor thy free will offering or heave offering of thy hand. So you can't touch that. You can't eat that right now. 
That's for later on. That's when you get to your to the spot that Adonai is going to show you. But thou must eat them before Adonai thy Elohim in the place which Adonai thy Elohim shall choose. So he hasn't really chosen a spot yet, but there is a spot, but he hasn't cho chose a permanent spot yet. Thou and thy son and thy daughter and thy manservant and thy maidservant and the Levite that is within thy gates, and thou shalt rejoice before Adonai thy Elohim and all that thou puttest thy hands to, to do, right? Well, uh, hands unto. Take heed to thyself that thou, that thou forsake not the Levites as long as thou livest upon the earth. Because remember, the Levites were the only tribe out of the 12 that did not have an inheritance because Yah was their inheritance. So I always looked at it like, Levi had 12, I mean, um, 11 other brothers, and their job was to take care of him. So how did they do that? They would bring him provisions that they had harvested or the animals that they had. They would, they would give him a portion of it in different ways. In, this, in, the, in the feast times, they're bringing him something to eat, some provisions as well for the tribe of Levi. Right. So. We need to read that again. It says, thou shalt rejoice before Adonai thy Elohim in all that thou puttest thy hands un unto. Take heed to thyself that thou forsake not the Levites. Don't not overlook them. As long as thou livest upon the earth. When Adonai thy Elohim shall enlarge thy border as he hath promised thee. And thou shalt say, I will eat flesh, because thy soul longeth to eat flesh, thou mayest eat flesh. Whatsoever thy soul lust, lusteth after, they can have it. So when they get to this, when they get to this feast, it, you can have whatever you're longing for. You got a taste for something particular in particular. You can have it when you get there. As long as it's a clean animal. You can have it, okay? So that gave us a little bit more, okay? So let's go down to Deuteronomy 14. And this, um, this these notes that I got, I got off of YouTube. I got this from a, um, a video called Kingdom Preppers. And I like the way this um, broke it down for me to understand it a little better. And hopefully it'll do the same thing for you. Because this is also going into branching off into tithes, how we tithe the church today. You might have realized in um, in Deuteronomy twelve seventeen, it says, "Thou mayest not eat within thy gates the tithe of thy corn, or of the wine, or of the oil, or of the firstling of the herds, or of the flock." So right here in Deuteronomy 12, 17, tithe was food or animals. But let's read um, what Kingdom Preppers had said that was pretty awesome. It says, tithing always involved that which could be grown or birthed. That is people, livestock, and crops of the field. And this included secondary products that could be produced from their things, such as grain, wine, and oil. 
understanding that tithing consists of things that can be birthed or grown and that are yielding from the earth, and that it was also to support the Levitical priesthood. What arguments can be raised to refute these truths? Also, where are the Levites today? And even if they were found, what does that matter when there is no temple present on earth? And the priesthood itself has been transferred to that of Melchizedek, whose high priest is Yahshua. If tithing mainly involved that what could be grown or birthed, or what was yielded from what was grown, why are we still discussing currency, which is not real money? In fact, the exception, the exception to the tithing law involving money is found in Deuteronomy 14, where the tithes was allowed to be converted into actual money, not currency, due to the long journeys to celebrate feasts. So Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 14 is going to explain that a little bit more, right? So let's go to Deuteronomy 14, 22. Deuteronomy 14, 22, it says, Thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed, that the field bringeth forth year by year. So whatever your field is bringing forth year by year, thou shalt truly tithe the increase of that. And thou shalt eat before Adonai thy Elohim in the place which he shall choose to place his name there. Again, he didn't have a specific place yet, but there is a spot that you're going to meet up at, but this is not the permanent spot, right? But it just doesn't mention it here. It says, the tithe of thy corn, of thy wine, and of thy oil, and the firstling of thy herds and of thy flock, the same as it said in 12, that thou mayest learn to fear Adonai thy Elohim always. And if the way be too long for thee, so that thou art not able to carry it, or if the place be too far from thee, which Adonai thy Elohim shall choose to set his name there, when Adonai thy Elohim has blessed thee. So what he's saying is, if you have grain, oil, uh, wine, you have animals, but you're traveling to the location your travel to the location is too far to go to, right? 25 says, then thou shalt turn it into money. So you take everything that you're taking to the feast and you transfer it into how much it will cost through money. So once you get to that location, how, however far it is, you would take the money and you would repurchase what you had back in your homeland with money. So you notice that money is not a part of the ties. Money is just money. So everything that you were going to bring for the distance that was too long, too heavy, and too much to travel with, you would turn it into, you would, you would sell it for money, you would get to the destination wherever the feast was at that time. You would then take that same money and you would um, you would uh, buy those same um, um, ingredients again or wine, oil or grain again. And you would now take it to the feast because now it's a shorter distance to travel. 
Then shalt thou turn it into money and bind up the money in thy hand, and thou shalt and shalt go into the place which Adonai the Elohim shall choose. Okay? Now this is not about tithes today. This is just about the three feasts and the location, right? You're traveling before Yah to have these three feasts for the men that the men are supposed to appear before Yah three times a year. And we're just talking about that. But notice how we're going into the tithes part what the tithes was. 26, and thou shalt bestow that money for whatever thou soul lust after. For whatever you had a taste for, you take the money that you had exchanged for the goods back in your hometown, and now you're at the location that you're at. You're going to take that money and you're going to buy whatever you had a taste for. It said lust after for oxen or for sheep or for wine or for strong drink or for whatsoever thy soul desireth. And thou shalt eat there before Adonai thy Elohim, and thou shalt rejoice, thine in thy household. So the tithes that you, the, 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 the grain and the oil and the strong drink and the, and the animals, you're rebuying it, but you're rebuying it for you. Now in church, tithes go to the church and to the pastor. So in church, Ties go to one particular system, but here ties is for your household. If I'm not misunderstanding this, right? It says one. And here's another. Here's some more notes from Kingdom Preppers. It says once at the place of worship, the money is then used to purchase back your tithe portion, which in this particular instance, according to the law, was to be be used by you. The tithe giver, along with your household, and not just the Levitical priests, but they weren't to be neglected neither. A portion was to go to them. And the Levites that are within your gates, thou shalt not forsake them, for he had no part nor inheritance with thee. At the end of three years, thou shalt bring forth all the tithe of thy increase the same year and shall lay it up within thy gates. And then the Levites, because he have no part or inheritance with thee, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow, which are within thy gates, shall come and eat and be satisfied that Adonai thy Elohim may bless thee in all the works of thy hands which thou doest. So you have, oh my goodness. So even in that, we do it opposite. In the church, the money goes to the staff and to the pastor and his family. But how God's intentions was, was for everything that you grew, was for it to go to you and your family and the stranger and the widow. Wouldn't that negate homelessness and starvation? Because we're doing this backwards, is creating a penalty for everybody in itself. Let's go to Deuteronomy 16, 16. Because like I said, we're just talking about the three times that you go up before Yah for the feast, right? But we're running into a situation here. And one of the pastors that I listened to, Robert, Robert um, Smith, he says, let's learn something on the way to learning something. On YouTube, Foundation of Israel, Pastor Robert Smith. He says, let's learn something on the way to learning something. 
So in talking about one thing, we end up learning a little bit more about another particular thing that the church does. Okay? Deuteronomy 16, 16. Three times in a year shall all thy males appear before Adonai thy Elohim in the place where he shall choose, in the feast of unleavened bread, that's one, in the feast of weeks, that's two, in the feast of tabernacles, that's three, and they shall not appear before Adonai empty. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of Adonai thy Elohim, which he hath given thee. So whatever had grown for you, you're given a and you're given a portion of that. I mean, God is doing good for you. Your, your, your crops are growing, you have animals, you have supplies that you can share. Judges and officers shall thou make thee in all thy gates, which Adonai thy Elohim giveth thee throughout thy tribes, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. So they're telling the people how to do it correctly. And that's another thing that judging is. Judging is not just saying, well, you know, you don't do it about judging is teaching. So nowadays people say, like, oh, you, you shouldn't be judging me. The Bible don't say that you should be judging me. Judge not to, so that you don't be judged. Judging is teaching somebody something. I used to have a sergeant on the police department that was in the church. He used to always say, you know, the Bible says when he saw you doing something that you wasn't supposed to be doing. Sergeant McLaughlin, shout out to you back in the day. He used to say, you know, the Bible says. And he would teach you. And it now it's considered judging. You should you should just let a person do whatever they want to say. And you shouldn't even be telling them nothing. I mean, I keep going. That's another branch, right? 19, thou shalt not rest judgment. Don't wrestle with it. Thou shalt not respect persons who no matter who he is, good or bad, big or small, you should be teaching and judging and, and showing a person what saith the Lord. Neither take a gift, for a gift doeth blind the eyes of the wise. And I give you something. If you go and you give a politician an envelope, he's going to turn his back on justice and, and benefit the person that gave him the envelope. Look at all the stuff it's teaching you just out of the feast. It's going to blind the eyes of the wise and pervert the world words of the righteous. That which is altogether just shalt thou follow, that thou mayest live and inherit the land which Adonai thy Elohim giveth thee. So let's go to Boy, I tell you, the word is awesome, man. Let's go to 2 Chronicles 30 and 1. We read this a couple weeks ago. Because now there's a location uh, announced. Right? And it says, And Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah, and wrote letters also to Ephraim and Manasseh, that they should come to the house of Adonai at Jerusalem to keep the Passover unto Adonai Elohim of Jerusalem. For the king had taken counsel and his and his priests and his prince and all the congregation in Jerusalem to keep the Passover in the second month. For they could not keep it at that time because the priests had not sanctified themselves significantly, sufficiently. Neither had the people gathered themselves together to Jerusalem. And the thing pleased the king and all the congregation. Okay? So they established a decree to make a proclamation throughout all Israel from Bathsheba even to Dan that they should come 
to keep the Passover unto Adonai Elohim of Israel now at Jerusalem. Now, this is, now here's another really good chapter that we use all the time. And it's so amazing that one bumps straight into the other because this branches off like a bush, like a tree. Let's go to Malachi's three. See if this makes a lot more sense to you now. Let's go to Malachi three and six. For I am Adonai, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your father, you are going away from my ordinances. So you, 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 you stop doing them and have not kept them. He says, return unto me and I will return unto you, saith Adonai of hosts. But she said, wherein shall we return? Will a man rob Elohim? Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, when have we robbed thee? In tithes and offering. You wasn't bringing your brother his food anymore. You stopped, you, you stopped, the Levites stopped doing the things that they were supposed to do with the sharing of the crops and of the animals. This is not about bringing the tithes. So, okay, okay. You are cursed with the curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. You're not feeding the people like you used to, like you were told to. Because you left my ordinances. Bring me all the tithes into the storehouse. Isn't that what everybody is supposed to be doing when they got to the location? Was bringing all their tithes to the storehouse? That they may, may be meat in my house? And prove me now herewith, saith Adonai of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there should not be room enough to receive it. We've been giving money to the church on the, based on this, and it's not even talking about the church. Now, somebody's mad at me anyway, just because I'm reading this, even though I'm reading it from the same word that they're reading it from. Because how dare I point this out? and mess up what's been going on for hundreds of years when we have people starving every day in, 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 in different neighborhoods. And then let's go to another favorite place. This is going to be the last one. This is Acts 2 and 1. And when the day of Pentecost huh, was fully come, they that were all with one accord in one place why are they all in one place? What are they doing? Because this is Acts. This is the beginning of the church. This is after Yahshua has passed away. So they should not be serving the law because the law is not necessary no more. Why are they gathering for a feast? Where are they gathering at? Is this Jerusalem? And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. Every time we read this scripture, it was in reference to getting the Holy Spirit or the Ruach HaKadosh. I can honestly tell you, in all the times that I've been in church, I have never heard nobody. I have never, never heard nobody speak on the Pentecost. Well, I can't say they haven't spoken on the Pentecost. They might have read the word Pentecost and they might explain the word Pentecost, but they never stayed on what it was, why these men were here. And I don't know if you guys did it, but I will always wonder why all these people were here 
three. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like, like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. This is all we focused on in, in church. And they were filled with the Ruach HaKadosh and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Right? And there were dwelling at Jerusalem. Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Because remember, the stranger was invited to come if his heart was a believer of Yahshua HaMashiach. Well, at that time, uh, uh, Yahweh, he was welcome to come. Remember, it said the stranger, the homeless, and the widows. So that's why you see these different men that lived in different places. That's for the most part, it was mostly men. But they all traveled up to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast of, uh, of, of Pentecost, right? Is that the Passover? Now, when this noise went, now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they that were and they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these men which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in his own tongue, wherein we are, were born. So then if you want to read further where they all came from, it starts at verse 9 and goes all the way down. But I never knew and I never put together, sorry for the, for the, for the voice, for the loud voice. I never put Acts 2 together. I never put Malachi 3 together with the, the, the pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the three feasts, which is the law. I never put that to, never put that together until recent. So amazing. So amazing what you can just not say and nobody will never learn it. I pray that you guys are enjoying your Sabbath. Have a good day and shalom.